Hola y bienvenidos a la Deuces Wild Daily Hustle. No abate por no filter network. Will the thrilly Miguelito San Diego. But as we do each and every single morning on this program, we properly salute our boys. Yes, 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 yes. Woo. Remember this, folks, when we are juiceful, we are useful. And as all of you regulars know, when we are juiceless, we are, that's right, class, we're fucking useless. A very pleasant good morning to you on the 16th day of November, 2023. We are, of course, brought to you by Bet Online. That's right. It is your top spot for all of your NBA, NFL, college football, and NHL action. Bet Online is your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. Get everything NBA at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access for every sport, anytime. Head to Bet Online today to get in on all the action. Don't forget to use promo code BLEAV, capital B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. I'm going to set up an account today as soon as I go across the border. That's right. I would say half of the days during the week, I find myself on the other side. I'd say the other side, the Reno side. So, <laughs> Reno side, Nevada side. But I can bet there, but in California, fuck, man. When are we going to allow this online betting to happen? California, of course, is one of the few states that does not allow it now. Uh, also, by the way, don't forget about our partners at KT Tape. You see the banner above my head. Go ahead and hit that QR code to order whatever you want to order from KT, but their stuff's fantastic. This is the Chase Safe, keeping your package nice and tight, nice and neat, clean for the long runs. Uh, as the blister prevention will help with that as well. Just make sure you guys keep your dogs right. And the skin prep wipes will get you ready to put on, boom, the actual tape. It does kind of hurt when you peel it back. But the science of this is pretty simple. It lifts the skin up and promotes blood flow to an area. So if you have anything that's bothering you, throw some of the tape on there and get the blood flowing, reduces inflammation, and you should be good to go. Let's not forget about our guy, Jory, over at Triverge. That's right. This is a cannabis product that... I take each morning on the show. Hold tight. As I dig into my sack right here, Jory, I'm getting low, man. We're going to need a couple more. I'll go through like, I don't know, three or four of these a day. I was pounding these during our baseball tournament this past weekend in West Covina. It's a cannabis-based product. It has lemon. It's got honey. It's got all kinds of other shit. Like, really, really good. I don't know exactly what's in it. And once again, I do not know the science behind it. 
and I did not stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night. But when I take one of these, my throat feels better. My body feels better. I get this sustained energy without getting jittery. Mm. Tryverge.com. Specifically, please do me a favor. Ask for Jory. Give him a call. Fuck it. I'll give you his phone number. Really super nice guy. Let's go to uh, Jory right here. J-O-R-Y. And there he is. 510. Dude, he's got a 510 number. 919-9062. Tell him I sent you. Jory. My man, Jory Wolf. This awesome guy. His kid, Levi, plays for our Let Them Play team. Just freaking one of the most eccentric. I don't even know how to describe him. Uh, he's a big lefty, hits absolute nukes, next level exit velo, is a fucking savage on the mound. And the way he goes about his business, and I don't know exactly what is in his back pocket. I got to talk to Jory about this. Jory can expand upon it. You can even ask him. But he has something in his back pocket where he'll swing and miss at the plate. And he'll pull out the card. And it'll be like number three. And so it's like this positive affirmation, I think, to get him back on track. And maybe number three is I can hit the ball or I don't know. I get no idea what it is. We got to get Levi on here to explain it. But just a really, really cool kid. I mean, everything about it. He makes these bats, these wiffle ball bats, where, say, for example, the hottest bat on the market right now is the hype fire. And thank you. Eastern Baseball, Brawlings for hooking the LTP boys up. But Levi makes wiffle ball bats that are identical to the hype fire bat. And so he does it with tape. He's done it with all sorts of these different youth bats. He did it with that pencil bat that they were swinging at the Little League game, the Little League slash Big League game this year. So just a cool kid all the way around all right buenos dias this is today's daily hustle electronic email communication that will be delivered to your inbox each and every single morning it goes out what those mornings are yeah fuck i don't know went out today though today is thursday november 16 2023 the daily hustle quote of the day do something every day that you don't want to this is a golden rule of acquiring a habit without pain Samuel Clemens, a.k.a. Mark Twain. Daily Hustle Translation. Each day when we wake up, we have choices we get to make in regards to how we are going to decide to spend our time. Many of the things are we... Many of the things we choose are pleasure and leisure activities orchestrated to make our lives easier. Yet... When there is no challenge, difficulty, strain, struggle, or hardship in some capacity, there is no growth. When I was grinding my way to the big leagues, I had an exercise and hitting routine that was mundane and often boring. I didn't always want to do it, but I knew the reward of the consistent dedication would help produce the long-term results I was chasing. When I got into Ironman, swimming was my nemesis. I'm still not sure if there was a single day I was excited to get into the pool for a training session, but I did it anyway. Ironically, it was never as bad 
as I had anticipated and actually was extremely invigorating once I got going. On the triathlon across America, each day was easier and easier. The 24-hour world record golf training was logistically and physically challenging to say the least, but the ultimate result of the relentless work helped us break a 47-year-old world record many considered unbreakable. Look, as we say all the time here in the DH, the only thing we will ever get out is what we put in. Training is not always fun and not always easy, but so long as we remain committed to do something every day that we may not want to do, but know will benefit us in the long run, we will be creating routines and habits that inevitably will take us exactly where we want to go. So the footboard is a perfect example. I posted this this morning too. I, I mean, I've come to like it a little bit, but every single day when I get up in the morning, I hop on that footboard. And I spend the first 15 minutes of the day on the board. Do I like it? Fuck no. I don't. When I first get on it, it hurts. But within 30 seconds, that pain dissipates and I'm fine. I listen to my calm meditation. I listen to my daily devotional. Uh, quick shout out to our South African preacher man, Angus Bukan. So fantastic. And then I'll search up articles to prepare myself for this daily hustle. Um, so on that note, it's those things that then say, for example, I get off 15 minutes later. Well, the inflammation in my body, like I can feel it dissipate. I really can. My feet, when I get up, and now granted, I use my feet a lot. 40 to 50,000 steps on average each day. But as I wake up in the morning, it's a kind of that, uh, just kind of getting going sort of feeling. And when I step on there, it sucks. But then when I get off, you got to give it a minute, but it's like, oh, all right. I got the bounce back in my step to go ahead and charge forward. I mentioned the part about the baseball. Look, as much as I loved it, there were certain days where I didn't want to do it. There were certain days where it's like, man, do I have to go through these core exercises to get ready to hit? Do I have to go through this training session with T and do the hang cleans and everything else? I, did I have to? No, I didn't have to do shit. But I had this grander vision of what those activities would produce down the road. And I think eventually as you continue to do them, I continue to take, call it 200 swings a day. I, it was mundane, of course. But I also learned to love it. So you start it because you love it. Then you get into this machine sort of mentality where it's like, bah, 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 bah. and then I think looking back and stepping back and looking back, I do fucking love it. Last night, I was, huh, so yesterday, I'm going to give you a little rundown of the day. 
Yesterday I got up in the morning, you know, ran on the treadmill, came up here. I actually had to I took Chloe to school. I Tara and Sissy Small Fry Fancy Pants are in Las Vegas for a horse show. So after I took Chloe to school, I came back here, got back on the treadmill, you know, finished writing the DH, prep of the show, everything else. And then I picked Chloe up from school and we went down to a horse barn down in Reno where I had to take her and then came back, uh, came back here. And the thing is, is that I wanted to play pickleball badly yesterday. Just want to play. Biscuit didn't want to come. He had homework he had to catch up on. I wanted to go play in Reno. It was 40 fucking degrees here. Cold as shit, right? Sometimes it's even colder when it's like 20-something because when it's 20-something, you know you're going to go out and prep yourself or whatever else. Well, I got back here and I got on the treadmill and ran a couple more miles, get that step count up. And as the sun was going down, I said, fuck it. And hopped in my car, drove down to the little pickleball facility, and just banged serves. I don't know the number. There's 28 balls in my thing. I probably at least eight rounds. So at least a couple hundred serves. Bah, 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 bah. Instead of the drop serve, which I've become pretty good at, where I drop it on the ground and bang it, I could really get in our knee to get the nice topspin. I was I could get more power by just hitting it directly. So I never I've never used that serve in a game. So I wanted to practice it, but dialed it in pretty well. And it was funny because as it was forty degrees, and I I would say I'm cold, but I I heated up pretty quick as I'm kind of running back and forth across the court, picking up balls and banging balls. It reminded me of being in the batting cage at 302 Old Honda Road when I was a kid. And I'd just gotten back from football practice, and the sun was going down. And it's just you out there, machine. It's just like the Iron Mike. Cha-ching! Cha-ching! Yes. So there's a video that I put up on IG. Watch the video. It's so fucking cool. It's just a ding, ding. And it was a ball hitting the fence. I love that shit. I really do. Those work hours where it's just you, nobody else. In this case, the camera capturing it. But anyway, I just love it, man. There's nothing better. There really isn't. All right, let's get into today's top stories. MLB owners give Fisher the green light to leave Oakland. Move A's to Las Vegas in Arlington, Texas. After 56 seasons, Major League Baseball has given up on the Oakland Athletics. The election that... A's fans anticipated and dreaded for months took place Thursday morning, and as expected, MLB owners voted 30 nothing to approve owner John Fisher's plan to relocate his franchise to Las Vegas. The owners, tired of the A's stadium search and desperate for Commissioner Rob Manfred to 
consummate a deal. We're ready to vote yes on ending the A's time in Oakland, which would create a lucrative one-team market for the San Francisco Giants. The A's moved from Philadelphia to Kansas City to Oakland and are headed to their fourth city. They are committed to just one more year at the Coliseum before their lease expires. And because Fisher doesn't expect to open his dream house on the Strip until 2028, an interim home for the team will be necessary for at least three seasons. Will it be the Coliseum with a belatedly negotiated lease extension or as part-time tenants at Oracle Park or Summerlin, Nevada, home of the Triple A A's team or a location to be determined? We have no idea. Eventually, Major League Baseball and the A's will sort out all the important details, but for now, Fisher can be assured that his fellow billionaires and team owners have his back and support his abandoning the Bay Area and playing ball in the desert. All right. We've talked about this extensively before on the Deuces Wild Daily Hustle. This isn't an abandonment. For years, the A's tried really hard to stay in Oakland. They did. You're not going to run a rooted in Oakland campaign unless you want to stay there. The Bay Area is home to more than 4 million people. It's a great market. It's one of those beautiful places in the world. The weather, you can't beat it. It has a long history of tradition in the San Francisco Bay Area. The Oakland A's do. They have a winning culture overall. I know the past couple of years haven't been great, but this team, what, four World Series? You had the three in the 70s. You had the one in 89. I know it's been a long time since they've won one, but when I was there in the 2000s, every single year we put together a competitive product on the field. A couple of the years, I can make the argument, we were the best team in baseball, even though we didn't end up being a World Series championship. The World, look, the World Series winners, and I've talked about this extensively, it's not always the best team. It's just not. I think the three years the Giants won it, they weren't the best team. They weren't. So, even this year, you know who the fucking best team was? <sighs> the Atlanta Braves. Now, Texas really solidified their spot right at the top with, obviously, the World Series running and everything else, but they were faltering down the stretch badly. So, Anyhow, look, the A's are a very classy organization, an organization that is going to continue to have success going forward. Their personnel, whether it's from, you know, Billy Bean, who's not as involved as he was, but David Forrest, the general manager, saw him not that long ago. Our kids played against each other in travel ball. Keith Littman was the director of the minor league operations for the longest time. I believe he's retired now. He still helps out in some certain areas. But one of my favorite people that, you know, I've ever met in my life. And they just know how to do it. They have the right guys, whether it's Mark Kotze or Mike Aldretti, just dudes uh, up and down the, the staff. I love them. I do. It's, it's family. I'll be forever grateful for not only them drafting me, but 
most importantly, developing me as a baseball player, giving me my first opportunity in the big leagues. As an A's fan growing up, super cool. Am I disappointed to see them leave the San Francisco Bay Area? Of course. Is it sad? Of course. But the bottom line is that life changes. Shit changes throughout all of our lives. And teams move. Especially when you can't figure out a fucking stadium deal after 23 years. They were talking about this in 2000. 2000. When I was with the Oakland A's, I got called up to the big leagues in 2023 years ago. Yet, here we are 23 years later, and the Texas Rangers are going on their, what, second or third stadium. The same with the Atlanta Braves. And the A's couldn't get one. So, can you blame the ownership group? You just, you can't. If I were part of the ownership group, I'd say the same thing. I love the A's, but here's the cool thing. If you're an A's fan, remember this. They're kind of like the Raiders. The Raiders were in Oakland. They went to LA. They went back to Oakland. Now they're in Vegas. If you're a Raider fan, you're a Raider fan. You weren't abandoning the team based on the city that they moved to. Chargers is really interesting because Spanos took that team out of the city of San Diego and they became Los Angeles. And it's just, I think they lost a lot of their fan base because of that. That seemed like more of a vindictive sort of move. Uh, That didn't sit well at all. I think Ace fans will travel with them. I know I will. I'm actually, when you play Major League Baseball, you lose your fandom. You do. You end up rooting for coaches and players that you know i also for a uh, content perspective or from a content perspective i root for the story i like great stories i like stories that i can be able to come and share here on no filter network that will i don't invigorate people to want to follow but with all of this remember that the A's are the A's. Like this beautiful green and gold hat. That jersey right there. By the way, I'm going to buy an A's jersey today. I've been meaning to do it for a while now. The white. So the white A's jersey like that. That's what I want. With a uh, 35 Ricky Henderson on the back. But this is what matters. It's not the city they play in. It's the organization, it's the team, it's the personnel, it's the players of the past, it's the current players now. That's what matters. All due respect to the city of Oakland, all due respect to the San Francisco Bay Area. I mean, shit, I'm a native, right? I, it was it was time to move on. I think Vegas is going to be awesome. I do think that they are going to sell out damn near every night. A lot of people are skeptical. They're like, well, they only get this amount of people at AAA games. This ain't AAA. This is going to be everybody's excuse to get to Las Vegas the same way the Raiders. The Raiders and Niners preseason game, for example. Someone said something about tickets going for like 300 bucks. A fucking preseason game. 
So when you have the Dodgers, when you have the Padres, when you have the Mariners, I mean, anybody, you have the Rangers coming to town. Here comes Dallas. And it is going to be a place we're going to have a difficult time going ahead and trying to keep everybody there rooting for the A's because that's not going to happen. But I think the Vegas Golden Knights have set the standard for how that works. This is a brand new hockey team that showed up and within what? I don't know. A few years took home the Stanley Cup. And if you're at Vegas, everything's Golden Knights. And Vegas is also a little bit like Phoenix right now, where you have all the transplants, but then all those transplants had kids, and all those kids have grown up in Las Vegas. So they have an affinity for Las Vegas of like everything fucking Vegas matters to them, which is super cool. So the question becomes, where will the Oakland A's play before the Vegas move? CBS Sports here has five options. Number one, the Oakland Coliseum. The A's still have a lease with Oakland for this ballpark through 2024, as I mentioned earlier. It doesn't sound like they want to stay at the Coliseum. I mean, why would you? It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Number two here, Oracle Park, home of the Giants. It remains to be seen how accommodating the Giants will be to sharing their home with the A's. And obviously the Giants' schedule would get top priority here. But there's a way to make two teams in the same home work, especially if the A's part of their schedule is only a portion of their home games. It has been floated by multiple reputable media sources connected to the Bay Area that the A's could play some of their home games at Oracle Park. So we do have to take this possibility. Seriously, I've said this for years. I said even earlier that why don't the A's just move there? Go share a stadium with the Giants. It's arguably the most beautiful stadium in the world. It's right there on the other side of the Bay Bridge. There's plenty of A's fans in the area. It's big enough to accommodate the two teams. I'm sure they have auxiliary locker rooms where the Giants don't have to give up their home clubhouse. That's really the only thing that I think they'd be concerned about. Why not? Makes total sense to me. And before they leave, it gives them an opportunity to still play in front of Bay Area fans, build up that fan base. Okay, number three here. The Las Vegas ballpark. Yeah. Problem with this is this AAA field. Las Vegas ballpark hosts the Las Vegas Aviators in Summerlin, Nevada. It just opened uh, in 2019. And it's been said that it was built with the idea that it could be a house for a Major League Baseball team on a temporary basis. The capacity can run to around 10,000 with standing room tickets. So, the A's averaged 10,000 fans a game. 
I think they're at the right number. It says, this seems to be the best not good option on the table. But there are concerns. First off, the A's are trying to sell the local market on their team before moving in for 2028. The team is atrocious right now and won't make quite the first impression they say the Vegas Golden Knights made. It's a very good point. Further, the AAA MLB schedules would have to fit together in the ballpark. They can make that work. I mean, there were times where you'd see AAA teams, that, and I forget, I guess it was Sacramento when they were building that facility. The AAA team that year for the Oakland A's, who eventually became the Rivercats, or they were the Rivercats, were on the road for the first, like, two months of the season before the stadium was actually completed. Uh, the fourth option, it says, other AAA parts. The problem here is that the A's would need to work with another big league team on getting the okay to use the affiliate ballparks, and that's just more red tape. Nonetheless, here are some of the other AAA ballparks that could be feasible. Sutter Health Park, that's the Sacramento Rivercats. That'd be a good one. I mean, they have a huge fan base there because they were, before becoming the Giants, the Rivercats were an A's affiliate. That's where uh, I played. Greater Nevada Field. Here we go. Now we're talking. This is the home of the Reno Aces, the Diamondbacks affiliate. It seats a touch over 9,000. It's relatively new as it opened in 2009. The capacity here is lower than several other teams, but it's hard to imagine that this is an issue given the circumstance. Smith Ballpark is the next one. That's the Salt Lake Bees. Capacity is 14,000 there. That doesn't make sense. Look, keep them, keep them close. Whole camp might be interesting. It says home of the A spring training games, but ah, fuck, man. I mean, you're gonna be running outside games with 115 degrees out. No chance. I don't see it happening. So, of all of it, I would say the absolute best option would be Oracle Park. You could try the Las Vegas thing, but I think they got a good point. The A's are going to suck for the next few years. So why show up with a meh product in a meh stadium? Nah. Not interested. Okay, uh, yesterday, by the way, Garrett Cole, UCLA brethren, received his Cy Young Award. Unanimously. Which is the first time that's happened in a long time. Uh, the article here says the Yankees base Garrett Cole captured his first Cy Young Award on Wednesday night and his excitement was overshadowed by a moment of levity on live television between him and his wife, Amy. This is good. Cole, who was being interviewed by MLB Network, was asked by host Greg Amsinger who Cole would like to have next to him when he receives his trophy. Quote, I think it would probably be dot, dot, dot. It would be tough not to say Amy right next to me. Cole said with a big smile on his face. Amy couldn't help but laugh at the way Cole answered the question. She's been there since I was just a kid in school, and she supported me in all different aspects and journeys in our life. Moving to New York, setting up the home with the kids during the pandemic, and being that rock for 
all of us as we transition to a new place. She plays a big role behind the scenes. She's the one I'd like sitting next to me when I receive it, for sure, Cole added. Amp singer and co-host Pedro Martinez jokingly tipped their caps to Cole on a question well answered. Quote, well done, well done, Amp singer said with Martinez laughing. We were all rooting. That would be the answer. We were all rooting. Well done, Garrett. The 33-year-old Cole went 15-4 and with the Yankees in 209 innings this season, striking out 222 batters while accumulating a 2.63 ERA to capture his first Cy Young. I would have never guessed that that was his first Cy Young. That's pretty crazy. I mean, for the success that he's had, I mean, he signed the richest contract in the history for a major league pitcher. And that is just his first one right there. It's good. Look, I very easily could say that if I were to receive an award of that caliber, I want my wife sitting next to me. I, I would say the same thing that Garrett Cole said when it comes to, hey, She's been the rock. She's the one that's dealt with this and this and this and this. Uh, I think you could also expand upon that, though. Does that make sense? Like, who do you want sitting next to you? And I don't know what it would be for Garrett Cole, but say, for example, I'm like, you know who I'd like there? Like, my Little League coach, Tom Sutter. Two fingers on top. You bet. The guy that gave me the discipline knowledge and expertise to help propel me into the you know beautiful road that was heading towards the big leagues i mean yeah you go on and on right i mean i I start there then you go to chris bradford my high school baseball coach that was so instrumental and give me an opportunity to you know shine at that level gary adams at ucla and vince baron healy i mean don't forget jim mcalpine Double Sky Point, who was huge, and you know, Joe DiMaggio. That's also an opportunity to give the shouts out to everybody. So you kind of, I think you'd probably start there. And then as you get rolling, you end with her. So regardless, it was well played. All right. Last night on ESPN, I don't know if you guys saw this, it was fucking awesome. The Formula One intro. I'm not into Formula One. I have no interest in going to Formula One. I think it's a big pain in the ass for the city of Las Vegas. Other than the fact that their streets are so perfectly paved now, it has been a disaster the past couple times I've been there when it comes to trying trying to navigate my way around the city. It's just really, really difficult. So, doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Las Vegas, you're going to get the people anyway. Whatever. It's Las Vegas. It's one of those cities where they'll take anything if it is going to bring the glit and the glamour. And Why not? That's why you're fucking Las Vegas. So, Formula One intro, I mean, just a few of them that I could think of right now. Steve Aoki, Tiesto, Journey, it was one hot freaking 
musician, entertainer, band, whatever, after another. Electric. It reminded me of the Super Bowl halftime show if they just kept going. Make sense? Like, it was like, it's not just Rihanna. It was Rihanna followed with this star and this star, this star, this star. So cool. And then they had the drivers end up on the platforms. Just job well done for the city of Las Vegas. And there's an article here because I don't know a ton about the history of Formula One. And they're saying the time is now, as in Sports Illustrated, after decades of misguided efforts and burning buses, Formula One is at last making a foothold in the United States. It says one country hosting three Grand Prix in a season is rare in any case, but especially when that country is not known as a historical hotbed for Formula One. So having F1 come to Miami, Austin, and Las Vegas this year as part of its 23-race, 20-country season is clearly a big deal. The rare triple speaks to the sport's desire to tap into the lucrative market, of course, but it's also a response to a newfound interest from American fans. Is that true? Am I missing the boat here? Are they telling us there's a newfound interest? Or is there really a newfound interest? Because I'm going to get, look, I don't know. I mean, we have subcultures everywhere here in this country. I just haven't seen it. The U.S. actually hosted three events in a season once before 1982, but that was a very different point in both the history of the sport and this country's relationship to it. The first of those U.S. races was on the streets of Long Beach. The second wound through downtown Detroit. The third was in a parking lot at Caesars Palace in Las Vegas, a track with no long straightaways and countless tight turns. The only way to fit a 2.2-mile course in a 75-acre space, it looks as if they brought a goat path down from the mountains and flattened it out. One Aussie driver grossed about the track. The circuit required near-constant braking and hard steering. When my crew gave me a sign saying 33 laps to go, I nearly died, Nelson Piquet said shortly after collapsing following the end of the 81 race. My head was already going out of my, out of the car. I couldn't hold it up against the centrifugal fence. In 1982, plans were made for another race in New York in a event that ultimately fell through. So how did the U.S. come to occupy such a substantial chunk of the F1 schedule that time around? Well... It just kind of happened. Formula One was never designed to have more than one race in this country. Um, Indeed, there was a little reason to expect it would be a happy incident. The U.S. and Formula One had, and it turned out, would continue to have a checkered relationship. For 11 years, beginning in 1950, the inaugural F1 season, the Indy 500 was considered part of the championship. Even though the cars were completely different and virtually no F1 drivers entered the race, that explains how 56 Indy winner Pat Flaherty finished fifth in the eighth event of the Drivers' Championship without leaving the United States. Anyway, there's this long-ass article about it. It's coming, whether you like it or not. My sentiments on it are good, cool. Great for Las Vegas, driving up hotel prices and... Everything else, 
apparently, Chloe checked this out for me yesterday. Whatever the ticket prices were to watch this event, so let's I'd say they're 300 bucks or higher. I mean, they're fucking ridiculous. I mean, there's some spots I do know. Like, if you want to sit in these grandstands, it's like two grand. Well, I guess it's down like 50%. Like something crazy, some number like that. I have zero interest at all. The grandstands that they were saying were like the $2,000 tickets when I was there. They are so fucking close to the action that it's scary. Like, I, we stayed, so it was right out in front of the Cosmo, I believe is where the start and finish is. And I'm looking at this going, if I were to sit in the Cosmo Bellagio right there, right with the fountain, but if I were to sit in this thing and like a car comes ripping through, loses a tire, this is going to take out the grandstands. And maybe, look, they've done this before. They know what they're doing. But I got to believe it. Like, it's fucking dangerous. That's another reason why I wouldn't be super excited about going. I've been to a NASCAR race before. I've been in the pit. I was in the tower. I went with Jeff Morad. That was super, super cool. Really enjoyed it. Mm. Not something I'm overly into. I got. I think it's kind of one of those things you got to grow up with. It's like hockey. Like I, although I probably more into hockey, but it, when you grow up not doing this, you know, you end up. You got to get your fandom from somewhere, and you go and experience. You're like, hey, it's pretty cool. And all the respect in the world to the drivers, all the respect in the world to Formula One, but meh, not that interested. All right, uh, the last story I want to get to. I was going to get to it yesterday. Big breaking news here. The leading ultra marathon runner banned for using a car in a 50-mile race. What the fuck? A leading British ultra marathon runner has been banned for 12 months by a UK athletics disciplinary panel for using a car during a 50-mile race and then accepting a trophy for third place. Josiah... Zach Ruski admitted that she had jumped into her friend's vehicle during the 2023 GB Ultras Manchester to Liverpool race on April 7th, but claimed she only did so after telling marshals that she was injured and was no longer competing. The 47-year-old who finished 14th in the 2014 Commonwealth Games Marathon it set a new world 48-hour distance record with 255,668 miles in February. Had also denied deliberately cheating. Instead, she said that arriving from Australia the night before had left her unable to think straight and had led to her wrongly accepting a trophy at the end of the race. However, that explanation was rejected by a UK disciplinary panel who have now banned Zach Ruski from competing in any UK licensed races representing Great Britain or coaching or managing for a year after finding her guilty breaching the UKO code of conduct for senior athletes. In a written decision, the panel said Zach Ruski claims were contrary to the evidence of the marshals evidence 
which the respondent did not seek to challenge or contest by way of cross-examination at the hearing. Evidence showed that Zerkruski, who has completed the GB numerous times in ultra-distance events, won multiple World 100K medals, and managed GB teams, had traveled around 2.5 miles in a car, according to GPS data. One of those miles was covered in a minute and 40 seconds. Oh, wow. In a letter to the panel, Zerkuski wrote, I accept my actions on that day that I did travel in a car and then later completed the run, crossing the finish line and inappropriately receiving a medal and a trophy, which I did not return immediately as I should have. That's all you have to do. I mean, come on. What the fuck? Like, you don't get into this to cheat. Like, I, like, I never understood that. And it happens all the time in Ironman. All the time. It happens in marathons. Like, people cutting corners and chopping off miles. How do you live with yourself? On the try across America, for example. And this was sanctioned by nobody. Nobody. This involves zero prizes. I was so over the top and making sure that where we finished the day before was where we were going to start the next day. It got so bad that we were going what felt like, like across the moon in Wyoming and a tornado hit crazy thunderstorm, like all, all of it. And so I had to hop in the car with my bike and uh, Muddy Waters triathlon coach and my brother-in-law, Justin Boitano. They're like, get in, get in. So I hop in the car. We drive however many miles to the next town. It wasn't Laramie. Um, what was it? Nah, whatever. Who cares? So we go like 40 miles. And then on the way back, right, once the storm passed, they dropped me off. But I was so over the top with, nah, like, you got to go back further. Like, I needed the Strava to connect. Like, there was no way I was going to go all the way across the country and be like, man, I missed a mile in fucking the middle of Wyoming. It wasn't happening. was not happening. So, you know, especially for somebody like this, who's 47, like, you know, whether she's a coach or something, she might, you know, make it up that way. But to basically tarnish your reputation i mean that's a that's just a tough one it's and here's the thing even if you took it right say you take the medal and I, i'm trying to like get with her like how she could fuck this up but let's just say you're a mile 25 you're completely depleted like she said she was traveling or whatever so she's hurt so she's like i'm done so she hops in her friend's car. They kind of go a couple miles up the road. You're like, well, we haven't gone that far. I'm feeling better. I'm fresh. Just got some nutrition, hydration, whatever. You know what? Let me back out. I'm going to finish this thing. Cool. I get back out. I finish it. I cross. Now, my first instinct would be, like, obviously, I, I, no medal. No medal. No, I, you know, I didn't properly complete the race. Obviously, no trophy. But if for whatever reason... I was depleted and wasn't even thinking about it. Yeah, put the net medal around my neck. Fuck, man. I mean, yeah, I missed a couple miles out there, but at least you got the medal. I'm not taking the trophy. If you get the medal, it's one thing. I mean, you pay for the medal, basically, when you pay to get into these races. 
Now the trophy, that's a, a whole other thing. Well, even if you did accept the trophy because you were out of your mind, as she claims, well, as soon as you come to your wits, give the fucking trophy back. Just an unfortunate incident and situation. So, all right, let's get on out of here. I don't know. Let's do, let's do an MLK quote. This is the top of the books right here. I believe that unarmed truth and unconditional love will have the final word in reality. That is why right, temporarily defeated, is stronger than evil triumphant. Martin Luther King. Fantastic. Everyone have a great rest of your Thursday. Traveling down to Las Vegas today, I will bring my gear. So I'm going to be shooting to do a daily hustle tomorrow from Viva Las Vegas. No, I'm not going down there for the F1 race. I'm heading down for the horse show to watch Sissy Small Fry compete and play a little pickleball too. Everyone have a great day. Oh, yeah, if you're listening on Apple, Spotify, anywhere else, do me a favor if you can. Leave a review. And if you're feeling generous, hit those five stars. Greatly appreciate it. That's it. See ya!